So, ask Amy topic number three. It's all about me. All about the Amy. Yeah. The A-dog. <laughs> Shall we? Probably not. Okay, so <laughs> you post all the time. You're giving all the amazing content and value all of the time. People don't really hear about you, and she's crushingly embarrassed, and she doesn't like talking about herself. So um, today I've made her. <laughs> I think that's fair, isn't it? Well, it's what they want. <laughs> it's what your people want. But actually, you've got such an interesting story, um, or hundreds of stories, mm. And the first time I heard about them in full was actually when you spoke at the event that we run. And you, she brought the house down because actually your life has been incredibly interesting. So I think people watching this will know one part of you, of your what you do professionally and what you do competitively, but maybe not some of the other things. Yeah. So here we go. Who are you? What do you do? <laughs> Hi, I'm Amy and I'm the owner of Freedom Therapy which a lot of you have recently joined the group. Hi, nice to see you. So Freedom Therapy was born three years ago? Probably, yeah. Something like that. Um, and it kind of brings almost special things together, where I can do massage, biomechanics, I get to train athletes, top-level athletes coming through the ranks, people who have had cancer, um, operations all that kind of stuff it was all the stuff that when you were working in gyms which you which is another part of your story <laughs> it's all the stuff that you really were passionate about and the stuff that you always wanted to get more time to do and what you've yeah. trained to yeah i mean come, we'll come to it yeah in a bit on one of the other questions i know but, i saw it um working in the gym was the very beginning mm. for me it was kind of my first stepping stone and without that i wouldn't be where i am but when i met you in a gym you would go off and be doing personal training with people or, or, or working with people, but you would have the people who had more complicated issues to deal with. So you were the specialist, if you like, with the people that had special with special populations. Yeah, special populations. But also I would be personal training, then I'd be running off to lifeguard, and then yeah, I'd be no. running off to be more reception, and then serve coffees and all the things. So here now... Did you serve coffees? All the things. Did you? <laughs> Can I have a coffee? <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, but now I'm master of my destiny. I can see who I want, train who I want in the way that I have trained. I've yeah. also done my own skill on it to make it work. This just sounds like a massive sales pitch, but it's not. You are unique in what you do. And I'm getting to it way too quickly, but we've seen, um, Claire and I have seen people that you've worked with that have gone to osteopathic chiropractors and different other trainers for years, not getting any um, relief or not getting the outcomes that they wanted, and you just fix them. So if I if I meet somebody who comes to a class or, or people that we work with who who's, who've got who are in pain, I just there is no other recommendation I would make, and I don't recommend people lightly. But you just fix them. We've just seen it time and time again. Anyway, why did you decide? Ushers, why did you decide to do what you do? Um, it was always a backup for me doing um, being in the gym and training and things because my main goal was to be in the army. It's the gym, it's everything. <laughs> and my backup for that was to be a doctor. So I've always had a real um, depth of understanding of anatomy and how bodies work. It's always really fascinated me. Um, but then when those, when the army didn't happen. And a nipples north, right? Nipples <laughs> north, <laughs> yeah. um, and then being a doctor, 
um, and the army didn't happen because of actually stuff you wanted to do, women couldn't do. Yes, at the time. Yeah, at the um, time. All the things I wanted to do weren't available for women. Mm. Even though I went and I did all the assessments I passed with flying colours, all of the exams, all of the physicals. So we got to um, assessment day and there were 200 people there and I was down to the last five. And they literally pulled me into the room and they said, wait, you can join the army, you can be a nurse, a police officer or a librarian. Those are your options. I can't see you as a librarian. I know you love books and I've seen your vast array of books, but Mm. I can't see you in that role. It wasn't for me. And then uh, there was a dark turn, but becoming a doctor was next on my list, but I'm just not clever enough for that. I don't have the right... Yeah, I mean, you have to be really academically on it, and at school... I'm mad academic! How many degrees do you have? Now I am. Yeah, okay. Okay, fair enough. When I was 18, 19, it wasn't really a focus. It's only really become the last 10 years or so playing hockey from a young age, being in the gym was always something that I did. So it made sense for me to make that into my profession because it's something that it was part of me. We'll come back to the hockey because yeah. people that will have piqued people's interest, but also things took a dark turn. Are we coming back to that later? Because if I was watching I'd be oh dark turn, get the popcorn. What was that then? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. It's, it's kind of what's next for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the gym and I was lucky enough in my work experience when I was at school, was in the gym. Mine was a hairdresser. They gave me a perm. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> I'll show you the picture of the perm. It's an awful perm. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, no, my perms were magnificent. So working in, I had first-hand experience of working in the gym, and I loved it, and then I was teaching swimming, and I was doing other things. So then I was like, okay, can't be in the army, which was goal number one. So you could be in the army, but you didn't want to do what they wanted. Didn't want to do those instructions. So I just studied, studied, studied. (laughs) It worked for you. Um, and then I was working um, with David Lloyd actually. That we're all very friends with. My first time I worked with David Lloyd, and I remember doing a gym induction for an older lady. And she came to me with knee issues, hip issues, back issues. And I'd recently just finished my level three. And I was like, I really, really want to help this lady, but I don't know how. I don't know what I can do in the gym to help her. And I was probably the most enthusiastic person on the gym team at the time. And I was like, there isn't anybody here who can help her. So I referred her to a physiotherapist who we had on, on site. And they said, do some exercises, somebody in the gym will show you. And that really piqued my interest there. I was like, I really want to learn more about this. So that's when I decided that was going to be my level four, mm-hmm. with back care specialist. And then it all kind of grew from there, because like, therapy and understanding movement to reduce pain, stretching to reduce pain, massage, and all those things. So it just sort of went one after another after another, and I just got deeper into it. And that's where I ended up. And yeah, it's all because of that older lady. Yeah, so she was... Quite pivotal, wasn't she? I wonder if she knows. Did you ever say? I did, yeah. Later on, when I was studying my level four, I was like, um, I can help you now. I've done my level four. Oh, wow. And she became one of my first long term clients. That's amazing. Yeah, That's so really cool. That was, I was about 21 when I first really got bit by the therapy bug. So, what 
I know always when I see you talk about your clients, you are very confidential, actually. But the things I see you light up about is when you see people turn their lives around, stuff that they couldn't do now that they can do. I've never seen you happier mm. than when you've got a story about that. There's loads. There's two ways to think about. But some that stick in my mind are people who um, had life-changing events. Right. So, strokes. You worked a lot with people with strokes. I did, yeah. I worked six months with, with stroke-specific patients. But um, that was hardcore. It was, that was in a hospital, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, it was an emotional time for me and them. Yeah. And I had Imagine. four gentlemen who I worked with every day and then other people who were sort of coming in now. And I remember vividly one guy walked into the ward and I thought we are going to be the best of them. So just started launching things at me. Oh, okay. Swearing at me. Why? Because he was angry. Just so frustrated. Because he couldn't talk. He'd gone, come from being, um, he owned a car garage. He was really well off, really well thought of. He was a runner for the Craig Twins right. in London. Oh, my God. Right? Stories to tell. Stories. But he couldn't tell the stories because he couldn't speak anymore. And he'd lost all the movement on his right hand side. So working with him was a project. So all the nurses were like, don't go me. He's really dangerous. And I was like, we're going to be best friends. <laughs> so within a couple of weeks, he would light up when I went into the room. Okay. And I got one of these, um, you know when we're teaching kids how to spell, and like, you press the letters and it says they were wrong. So I took him, one of those in, and he would spell words out for me. He would write them down and then he'd tell me stories that way. And he eventually learned how to speak and he learned how to move. And I remember the first time I went in there and he stood up unaided and it was just brilliant. Everybody else was crying in pieces and I was like, what to me then? <laughs> I was like, nothing was ever good enough. And after Yeah, that, I believe you. After yeah. six months, I picked him up from hospital and took him home. And they were adamant that at that time he was never going to be able to go home. Could he speak? Was he... Yeah, he, he was articulate. He was... Always going to be disabled and have a dropped foot and was a bit limpy, but we managed to get in a bus pass. And so, yeah, we managed to get in two places and started to put some other together again. That's amazing. So that was a big deal. Yeah. And, there was and you did that? Yeah. Well, me and his nurses and yeah. him, his determination to not be crippling me. That's the stuff. Yeah. I mean, I love working with athletes and I love getting them to... I, I know, I watch. How excited you get about <laughs> that as well. But it's exciting, it's yeah. because I'm one of them. Yes, right. I know the training and everything they've put into that moment and how important it is for them to feel better. Mm. And I can help them with that and then go and do your event and come back and I'll fix you. But so it must be like when, when you have an injured athlete, you've been following their progress, mm -hmm. you've, you've seen the injury... Then to see them succeed yeah. with your help, does that feel a little bit like you achieved that? Totally, yeah. So they were broken when they came to see me. Mm -hmm. They were, I'm never going to be able to run again, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe it's and true. that's for an athlete. That's well, you know. I do. That's a massive deal. That you don't get to do that sport that you're wonderful, you're amazing at. That's been your thing, yeah. kind of your identity. Big deal. Big, huge. Yeah. And that's another thing that I'm quite proud of because I've had a few turns and things haven't gone my way ways. I understand yeah. what it's like to have to go into a doctor's office and be told, you're never going to run again, but we can fix your knee yeah. or your ankle or your hip or whatever it may be. And to be in your head going, you're right, you don't run me, you know, you're just a doctor. But then everybody that you see tells you no, tells you no, tells you no. 
And you just need one person to be on your side for it to completely change your outcome. So I always want to be that guy. I always want to be the one on all the athlete's side. So no shit. You have a bad injury, it's, it's sore, it hurts, I get it. But we can fix you. And this is how we're going to do it. And can I say that's, I mean, you had that trip to the doctor's office. So you were competing at national level in hockey. You ran like Boris Gump <laughs> for certain salubrious teams as well, but um, took a terrible tackle in hockey. If you ever, I don't know, if you posted pictures of your knee. I posted, there's some, a couple of pictures of my knee post up in my brace. Yeah. So was, your, your knee was obliterated, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. At the, you were pretty much at the peak of what you were doing or heading towards that. And then it was just that, no, sorry, you can't do that anymore. It was literally just a skin holding my leg together and the ligaments were blowing, ripped off the bone and stuff. Yeah. It was pretty catastrophic. So it was like, okay, your life is it. As you know it, your life will be going down, this is not going to happen with you. So you need to make all these changes. And I did. And then after so after I rehabbed from the hockey injury, I was then running. So that was years after that. Running for ridiculous teams. Which means to know it. Bay Paris. Yeah. Team DB. If you know, you know. <laughs> Never made it into the A team, but that's the mm. story. Um, doing cross country and stuff like that. Um, which was really great, loved it. And then it was just all the teaching of classes, the running, everything, just my knee was not right. And then um, just before I turned 30, it was right, we're going to fix your knee. It's going to take ages, it's going to F you up big yeah. time, but it's fine. Went through, had a great surgeon, great physio team, myself, all. And, and I've met Paul and I've had him sort of explain just how far you've come with your knee, which is insanity. Nobody's supposed to improve that much. Certainly not doing the ridiculous things that you do to it, but now with that knee, holding it up. Well, they told me after I'd had, um, once I'd taken off my knee brace, and I had a bit of a limp. They're like, this is as good as it's going to get. You're never going to be able to run. It's going to hurt all the time, in the winter especially. And it does hurt. It does sometimes. Makes me cry sometimes. Yeah. But it's so few and far between, it's, it's very little time. Yeah. And I met Paul about six weeks after I came off my crutches. So that's probably four months post up, something like that. I can't remember the timeline. And my knee was about that big. <laughs> it was huge. And he worked with me relentlessly and he gave me his tent machine because he knew I would be meticulous with my physio. And now I'm. Um, UK strongest woman. You really are. <laughs> yeah. That actually happened. Yeah, that happened. Five years on, but it happened. But that wasn't supposed to happen. No. And so, but you, you didn't. You had all those people in your corner. You want to be that person for someone else. So you, for other people. So you're in somewhat of a unique position, I think. Probably not completely unique, but pretty unique in that you've done sport at that top level. Mm bust yourself up <laughs> more than once more than once <laughs> and now a bit later on doing another sport heading for the high levels yeah. and you are UK strongest woman it's a bit amazing isn't it by any standards it is because there's way more to the story as you can probably imagine but I mean even that on its own but it's it's what makes me able to connect to people on a different level I think so to most others 
because I've been through a lot of stuff, I've rehabbed through more things than I dare to dream of. So I get it. I understand what it feels like to be at the top of your game and then not, and nobody else to back you up there. I know how it feels physically to go through the rehab and know how frustrating it is to go from being able to run a 15-minute 5K to not even being able to stand up when I needed overnight, literally. I get it, and I know how it feels to wake up in the morning and be like, is this it? Am I ever going to get better? Um, so I can relate to that and be in the darkness with you guys, but I also can see the other side. I know you're going to get through it and you know how it's going to feel to stand on that podium and go, yeah, I did that. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do, because I live it, I've done it, I've been there, and I know, and it comes out the other side. So the methods that I use on my clients, I've used on myself. So I know them, yeah. and I do them every day. So this isn't book learning, this isn't, no, no disrespect to anybody that's gone to do, say, a physiotherapy degree or something like that and comes straight out of uni and then goes to treat people, great, fantastic. Absolutely. But, yeah, totally, but you've lived it. Yeah. I have both. Yeah, you've, you've lived it and, and you've done it and you've recovered and I've coached people book through that. Book <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've done the learns, but I've also lived it, so that is the difference. Most people don't get to experience yeah. those things or would have one catastrophic injury and give up because they didn't. And, and, and probably quite understandably as well because you're, you're in that much pain and everybody around you, medical professionals around you, are saying this is kind of it. You, it would be very easy to accept that. I had to go and see nine different new surgeons mm-hmm. before I found the guy who would put me So like nine times I got to no, we're done. And on time six or seven, most normal people would just give up, wouldn't they? But I knew that there was there would be someone who would need to find the right person. And I don't want my people to have to search nine or ten different people. I want them to come to me and get them. I also love it about you, which is an aside, that you have this team of professionals that you know. And I didn't, I kind of didn't understand it properly to start with. So the people will come along, or, or I'd say, well, go and see Amy because she can fix you. And you'd go, actually, I know someone better. And you refer them on. And so coming from someone that's always been self-employed, I just thought, but if you can do it, why don't you do it? But no, actually, you are so diligent about that. And you, it's almost like you've got this extended team of people that you know. So sometimes, like, I, I, I hurt myself all the time. <laughs> I hurt myself all the time. And so you fix me. Yes. And then other times you say, oh, no, you need to go to that person who will fix me even quicker. And for, for a slight, in a slightly different way. And I always find that really fascinating. And but now I get it. You're like, um, it's like an extended working family, isn't it? Yeah. And lots of mutual respect and lots of mutual sort of re- referrals. Yeah, I mean, I I can only be as good as the people I surround myself with. I've made sure I surround myself with people who are at the top of their game, yeah. so it keeps us together. I'm Paul with Fix Your Knee, I went to see him once and then my knee was fixed. Yeah, exactly <laughs> awesome, awesome. But also, for me, this is my scope of practice, these are my skills, this yeah. is my knowledge, my experience. And sometimes people come and see me with things that are on the edge of that. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure I know what I'm doing yeah. and I know that I'm on the right track. But I'm also thinking I want a second opinion here. Yeah. Because it's not a it's an opportunity for me to learn. And make sure I am on the right track and the flags that I've seen are the right ones because 
Mm. You have to keep learning all the time. But also, I want my clients to get better. And I'm not going to use them as an experiment. No. So often, as my clients will vouch for me, I'll refer them to somebody that I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. Get my head. What are you doing? Like, what's happening? What yeah, and I've heard, and I won't say names, but that you've taken people along and that the person you've referred them to learns something from you. You go, this is what I think. And they go, hmm, that's interesting. I think you're right. And then you kind of puzzle it out like Dr. House together, don't you? You do, yeah. Yeah, I like it. And that's that's the point. Oh, this is going to be way too long, isn't it? <laughs> that was question one. No, it wasn't. Yeah, moving so, yeah, I think we are. So I was going to ask you, what did, what did you do to get to where you are today? But that's you've covered a little bit, bit of that already. So... There has been an element of failure. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Not necessarily always you're doing. No. Events. Just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wrong <laughs> at the wrong time. <laughs> wrong people around you, maybe, sometimes. Sometimes, also not listening, thinking that I'm 25 and I'm a disruptive so I don't need to rest. I don't need yeah. to take time off. It's Teaching tough. eight classes a day, running for marathons, all of that kind of stuff. You're going to get stress fractures. You're going to get issues. Pay attention. And again, that's come, wisdom comes with age and all of that. So now I'm approaching... That's why I'm so wise. Someone would say something else, but shush. So now I'm coming into... I'm going to be 36 this year. My God, that's so, old. That is a bit old. Yeah. Actually, yes, it is. 20 years I've been competing. It's a long time. But that's also a lot of experience. So when we were at our competition, because... You were there too. Our competition. <laughs> UK's strongest yeah. woman. I did not win that title. That was Amy's. <laughs> but what was the difference between me versus the rest? They were all agitated and stressing about many things. Some some of them. Some of them. Especially the novices and the interns were a bit like, ah. it's, yeah. It, I mean, it's a, a stressful situation. It is a stressful situation. But I thrive there because I've been there so many times. So, yeah, it's okay, but I didn't lift the competition weights and training at once, but I knew no, I would. No, no, that day. freaked me out. Because I couldn't have gone without at least trying it. Right. And you were like, no, I, I trust myself. Exactly, because I have the experience and I have the back catalogue and knowing that I can and knowing myself in competition yeah. as I've been there. So, if I could give my 25-year-old self a little advice, it would be pay attention, yeah. paying more attention. But I don't think that... If I'd, I mean, you on that day, for instance, you were having a laugh, you yeah. were dancing, you made friends, she made friends with every woman <laughs> and, and everybody in the room. Also, you were fixing people, you were fixing, and I've seen you do this at two competitions. She was taking her uh, her gun, her theragun, and your expertise, and going around and fixing people that fell over, <laughs> that had bad shoulders, but they were her competition, and she was fixing them. You can't help yourself, can you? No, I can't help myself. It's sort of funny. <laughs> I know, and you're like, but stop it. No, I don't, I don't say stop it, but it's like, oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> but again, it's, I know how it feels to go to a competition and be on your own. No, the thing is, you're right. That's the thing, you're right. And I don't think that's everybody's instinct. I've competed in what I've done, and nobody helped each other no. at all. It wasn't that sort of environment. Actually, Strong Woman is an amazing environment. My eyes were open mm-hmm. to just, you would think, all these big, strong early people, yeah, with all the muscles and everything, you'd, you'd think that was a much more aggressive um, situation. But no, lovely, loving, 
helpful. No, but a couple of people absolutely stacked up, didn't they? Like, really <laughs> fell over oh. bad. And there, there wouldn't even be a thought of somebody laughing. Mm. Not even a thought. I mean, people were like, oh, my goodness, let's help them. Yeah. Everybody's helping each other. <laughs> in dance, not so much. Right. And it, running, it isn't like that. In running. No, you said it was very harsh in running. Really harsh. Mm. It's, it's everyone for themselves. Even if you're part of a team, it doesn't matter. We're just doing your own thing. Yeah. You know, if someone falls over, leave them for dead. You're all <laughs> all for dead. Not save yourself. But that's a reason that, that drew me to swim with them yeah. and anything was the camaraderie. Super lovely. And and in the groups and stuff afterwards, seeing how everybody interacts and helps each other, it's it's really actually quite um, emotional. Isn't it's it? wonderful. And everybody's got a story. Mm. Literally everybody's Everyone. got a story. It's huge. And you all got a lot of respect for each other. I mean I'm just I'm an onlooker really. I'm a dabbler. But it's been very interesting to try. But watching how you really strong people um sort of relate to each other is has been really eye-opening. But it's not just the women when we're competing in the, you know, individual competitions, it's the respect that we have for the men as well. Honestly, I was going to say that. Super true. And you would think it would be quite a misogynistic kind of environment. I don't know, would you? I would have thought so because yeah. it's all the muscles and the yeah. But I've never so I literally so I've been in the like prop gyms with you, <laughs> not like the, the usual. I literally haven't seen the sexism yeah. or the unco- the discomfort of young girl, you know, young little live things. They're doing their thing. They don't get hassled. Mm-hmm. So a lot of if you're watching this and you don't and then you. So I, we, we work with a lot of women who are scared of going to a gym. If they do, they'll go on the cross trainer. <laughs> the boys enter the gym, they wouldn't even venture down. Now I don't go anywhere other than that. Yeah. Because they're worried about the reaction that they're going to get from people there. But actually in gyms that strong people go to and lifters in general, yeah. that isn't the case. It's really not. It's a lot of respect, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we understand each other and... To be able to compete, you have to be at a certain standard and you have to be able to put your body on the line sometimes. Mm. So that level of respect is, is huge. Yeah, and it isn't. I, I, I might be wrong and romanticising everything, but it doesn't actually seem to make a difference where you are in it. Mm. So if you're brand new and your one rep max is here mm. and everybody else is, is here, and you just edged it up a bit, you'll still get the same sort of accolade. And everybody's really impressed with you and, like, proud of you, for you. You've hit a PB. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether that's 65 or 165. You've done it. Because I would always say, oh, it's it's only that. And people around me would go, no, that's fantastic, that's more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Strange. Exactly. Even though in competition it is you against the weights. Yeah. And... Like, I'm not sure if anybody saw when Andrea did the World Better. If you it. haven't, we'll post it underneath this because it's oh awesome. I was, I was a bitch. Honestly, in person. It was like I was there with her doing the lift. Like, <laughs> I was gripping and just pulling. And then the first person to go and see her as soon as she'd done it was another athlete. Yeah, wonderful. The girl that she was competing against. And they hugged and they cried and they jumped about. And that's what it is. Yeah. We cheer the loudest for the other athletes. And I've never been in a sport where that's Absolutely that's true. happened. And it, it sucks you in. You can't not love it immediately. It's just amazing. Yeah. 
Um, but that's one of our next questions. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So, how do you prep for a competition? Oh, yeah, how do you prep? Well, I'm going to ask you like I don't know. How do you prep for a competition, Amy? Well, first of all, you need the date of the competition. Yes. To work backwards, right? Yeah, and you might work from there. So, the one that we had in February, we did a 15-week training. Was it 15 till it was 13? We did the first two weeks. I'm not going to include me in the week. I like it. It was without the bar, wasn't it? We just did. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. So, coach was like, no lifting for us to Coach weeks. being who? Aaron. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, no lifting because we've got to get your um, stability muscles super, super strong. Yeah, frustrating. Infuriating. <laughs> but, oh my God, could walk for days at a time. It was insane. So, a completely different style of training. But this just goes to show how knowledgeable Aaron is. I think he knows the stuff, doesn't he? But also how science really plays into it. So, I'm quite strong. We can lift most things. Um, my deadlift was okay. Did those two weeks of nothing, um, not lifting deadlifts, just doing the bodyweight stuff, straight back into deadlifts, I'd increased my weight by 20 kilos. Yeah, um, so it just goes to show that it's not all about the brain and the brawn. So you're about, working with the central nervous system and, and alternating things in a way that if people just go into a gym and try to lift more and more just by trying more and more, they're never going to achieve it, are they? So there's different ways of resting, and oh, it's just, it's really fascinating. I've That's learned so much. We did such a long training phase, mm. so that we had effectively two peaks. So we had one halfway through, and then the other peak was on competition weekend, so that we had time to make changes that we needed to, um, like foot position changes, mm. um, to manage injuries, which were then yeah. <laughs> But just not injuries, but niggles. I had an injury. Here and there. Um, <laughs> back injuries and things like that. But it's a science, and you have to work up and then deload yeah. and focus on certain elements and others. So the advantage with knowing when your competition is, the date, you also know what events you're going to be doing. We don't know when anything is at the moment. At the we? moment, it's all up in the air. But we're, fingers crossed, yeah. everything's going to be Yours is the only competition. That hasn't been officially cancelled yeah. at the Literally moment. Literally everything else, even the Olympics is on the line. Not my competition, no, <laughs> we're still going for it. They're like, we'll do it outside if we have to. Yeah, well, I guess it could, could they? But we know in advance what our events are going to be. So I know that my next competition, I have stones. So I find a gym that's got the stones and go in our practice. Because the only way you can get good is by doing the thing. You can't practice at the stone lifting with a barbell. You can't. You have to get really, really good at skills. So once a week, if not twice a week, depending on the programme, you'd always do events practice. So we'd be running, we'd be carrying. <laughs> that's, that's usually when I'd hurt myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was carrying, lifting. Because we're racing then, so, you know. All the weird and wonderful things that generally only occur in an event, yeah. we would practice it week in, week out. So by the time we've got to competition, we've done it 15 times easily. So you know on the day... And I noticed as well, and I, you know, I keep saying I consider myself a complete beginner, not complete, but you know, amongst them. Um, there were people that went along to your competition who had never done some of those things yeah. before. Wales, for example. Wales, most people hadn't. We'd gone, we drove to Wales to find one. <laughs> 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 really, Sparrow, my favourite one. It was a lovely gym. Oh, I loved it. Oh, weren't they nice? This is a, yeah, that's what it is, isn't it? But 
it's for me going to a different gym, trying different kit, meeting new people is all part and parcel of fun because it can be monotonous doing the same thing Monday, deadlift, squat, la la la, gets tedious. So going to a different gym, just lifting a different bar makes it feel completely different. So a lot of build up goes into each event, which is why it means so much to us because you've committed. I mean, we went to the gym on Christmas Day. <laughs> we really did. We did that. Commit three, four months of your life to one competition. Mm. And that was the first, which was supposed to be of many throughout the year. Obviously, we were nice and honest at the moment. But that was the bulk of my training. So 15 weeks of conditioning and all of the other things. But it's not just about lifting the weights and doing those things. At the moment, in food and therapy, I'm writing a lot about recovery. Because that's really important as well. So some of the other things that we would do go to the spa, get in the hot tub, do the sauna, do the ice bath, um, yoga, dancing. We would swap out a weight session for a stretch session if we didn't feel like it. So you trained for the UK Strongest Woman by doing the Argentine tango, didn't you? I did. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Because jump. it gets you yeah, lots of body jump. Um, it gets you your your body moving differently yeah. and gets your brain working differently yeah. as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and um, because when you're training for strength you become very one dimensional. Mm. We're very, very good at moving in straightforward so squatting and deadlift. It's always on the same plane of movement. And you lose the ability to rotate and move because you get so big yeah. and you just can't really move around yourself very well. And I hate that feeling of being really heavy and cumbersome. I just can't drive me But also, well, you've built loads of muscle, obviously. I w- I'm biased, but I would say you seemed like, at both competitions I've seen you at, the fittest person there yeah. because of the kind of um, it's not cross training, but it's you know what I mean cross with with the C, yeah, cross discipline training that you do. But that's my strength mm. is that I can still move, I can run, I can move myself and whatever it is I'm carrying. I'm not one dimensional trained because we do loads of other stuff too, the dancing, the stretching. So when other people will be having a rest day, you, um, and Aaron says it, doesn't he, active rest. So he really encourages you to do things like yoga and dancing and things like that. And it's obviously paid off. But it's so it's all down to my dance classes, isn't it? All down to me. All down to me. It's physically really good for me to move in a different way. Yeah. And to, in a way, let somebody else control me. Like going to a dance class or an aerobics class or something like that, you're doing it your time, so you're not really thinking about it, you're just doing it. Whereas when I'm setting up for deadlift or an atlas stone or action bar, I really have to think, mm-hmm. especially if it's 80 kilos overhead or something like that. It's, this could really hurt me if I do it wrong. So I have to think every movement, where my arms, where my legs, where my back, and it's, it's hard work. But going to a dance class is fun, yeah. and it's important to have that release of fun and energy and it kind of reignites, makes life a bit easier rather than just other as the gym and ride it out. So you've got to have fun in first with the series, notice what we're training. So that's a, it's a big, long build-up to an event. But the night before and the day of <laughs> is... God help us all, it's really. Awful. Because I, I have to weigh in, I have to be a specific <laughs> weight to be able to compete. Yeah, she does. It's awful. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's horrific, actually. The week before, it need not be horrific, but it has been horrific. Yeah. Mm. The week before, 
I'm stressing because I can't lift because we have to make the central nervous system look like that. So I'm just walking, stretching, some of my And my weight needs to be coming down. It doesn't always come down as quickly as I like. So the night before... This time was better. This time was better because I had a longer run-up to it. Yeah. So I have to weigh under 82 kilos to be able to compete. And I walk around normally about 85. So dropping three kilos... Not a big deal for most people. But when you're already quite lean... Well, you are lean because 82 for some body shapes would be overweight yeah. for your height, but not for you because you've got the little waist mm-hmm. and, it's, yeah, and it's just the muscles. It's yeah, exactly that. So me not training brings my weight down. It isn't enough anymore yeah. because I'm... Bigger than now than I have been. You're a big lad now. Big lad, even more vegetables. So I'm super strong, so it means my muscle mass. So how do I cut down? Do hot, salty baths. Not recommended. This is not recommended to anybody watching this. And it's only for, to make the weight, really. There's, apparently, you have to swear a lot in those baths. I don't know if that's an official directive. It helps get the weight on. Yeah. The more you swear, the bigger the swear words. <laughs> And you can string a few together to make yeah. a sentence. Yeah. We're winning at life, really. But no, seriously, that is, that was just, well, in fact, you were, you made the way. I did. But you, you didn't want to take chances this time, so you did do a few of the hot parts. And yeah. I think you find them particularly unpleasant. I hate it. Yeah. It's awful. You're sitting I don't in, mind a hot bath. In the bath, it's not relaxing. It's got Epsom salts in it, so it's sucking all the moisture out of you. It's hot, it's awful, you're sweating. You feel, it's just horrible. I don't like it. No, you don't. Some competitions they let you weigh in the night, the day before. Some you have to weigh in the morning. Yeah. So for the one I'm doing soon, I have to weigh in the morning. So I know I won't eat dinner the night before. Boo. Hot bath about five the day before. One in the morning. But what if you're already well within the weight? If I'm well within the weight, but you know you won't be, which has never happened. <laughs> Then I won't have to worry about no, any of those things. No. But because I have just to... just a suggestion. Yeah, I've, I've done a competition now, so I am somewhat oh, an expert. No, things. Um, it just it, I have to be really really careful with my build up the week before. Can't eat anything. Not too many pizzas and stuff. No, it's really strict. Water loading, all of those horrible awful things. Weigh in once I've hit weight. Easy peasy, push yeah. it out. But by then. I'm dehydrated, I'm hungry, and I've got a couple of hours for transition. So it's about electrolytes to get them in, a little bit of food, but bearing in mind that probably the week before I haven't eaten a huge amount of calories. So there's no point in me smashing a massive breakfast because my body's not going to be able to deal with that. Plus, I'm going to be nervous, plus, I'm going to be putting waste. So that's coming body. up again, isn't it? Right. So, what would I eat for breakfast in the morning of a competition? Especially when it was that awful Premier Inn um, restaurant. (laughs) Oh, I really like a Premier Inn, but that breakfast was terrible, wasn't it? Really terrible. But honestly, competition day, I'm so nervous, and all the build up and all the hype, and I've put so much pressure on myself. I'm just pacing around. There's there's not much room for food. But you're okay once you start, aren't you? As soon as I've done my first rep, whatever it is, I'm I'm in the zone. I'm totally fine. I think your first rep. I might be wrong. 
that was the axle bar, which was a weight you've never tried before, so she'd never actually even tried it. Can you imagine how mad that is? Stand up in front of all those people, like, I don't know if I can lift this or not. But yeah, you did it and then you're alright, weren't you? Yeah, totally. Once, there's always one event in every competition that we don't look forward to. And was that the one? Um, yeah. Because I hadn't lifted it. It was squats the one before. I was worried about my shoulder yeah. and all sorts of things. Once you've done that, it's like, man, it's, I don't want to do it now, I'm good. And I'll go and make friends now. All your training kicks in yeah. and like Aaron's on my shoulder, can you hear him talking to me and I'm just listening to the umpire, listening to you, screaming at me, <laughs> <laughs> timing it, telling me how long, because we have a little thing where you have to stand in a certain place and you have to tell me how long we've left. And, and then yeah. she ignores me totally and just does her thing anyway. It's actually not true. That's not true. <laughs> but because we train together and we understand how each other work, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if Aaron's there, then he just yeah. takes over and tells me slaps you on the back and says, fine. But during the competition day, I won't eat too much. Just a snack. No, you really didn't, did you? Snack on a few oh, bits of here and there. But again, because in competition, the if it's a big competition, there's lots of athletes, you don't tend to know the order of the athlete until the last minute. So they might call you out with three athletes to go. So you don't really want to be smashing a great big dinner and then being called up to do an event 20 minutes later. Right. So, so here's the thing I didn't know about it. So it's interesting. It's the things you pick up as you go along. And it's probably the same with lots of sports, but I just, in my own sort of dizzy bubble, I never really thought about it before. But so you do an event, and if you placed first, if you were the high, you'd scored most highly in that event, then you would actually be the last to be called for the next event. So you'd get your, your the benefit you get is that you can see what everybody else has done. So you know what you have to aim for or not to have to go too far ahead of. That makes sense. If that's a benefit. If that's a benefit, yeah. I don't find it beneficial in any way. I would. If anything, I'm the one that it stresses me out more being last to come out. So you don't know what you you don't mind not knowing what you've got to be. Actually, you don't, do you? I'm not interested in what anybody else. That's interesting because I know what I'm capable of, and I'm all I'm trying to do is my best on every single one. I don't want to have to leave the platform thinking we've done more there. Which is why when I finish a deadlift or something, I'm literally on my hands and knees. Really, and like, oh, yeah. I've given Do we need ambulance? No, we don't need an ambulance. I'm fine. No, she's alright. And I, I would literally put myself on the line. I don't give a shit about anybody else. It was funny. What? Don't. No, this is mean because you look like you were in trouble. But the competition before when we did squats. Yeah. I really thought that you you need to go to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're okay after a little while. Yeah, it just takes you a minute to get over it. Oh, I psych myself up, I get in the zone, and I'm like, boom, I've just got to smash this. I know in training I did 10, so I'm going to aim for that there. Once I get to 10 and I look at you and tell me 20 seconds left, I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to invest a few more. But, so to come out last, I have no interest in what the other athletes have lifted. It messes with my head more, thinking, well, why am I out there? I've noticed that, actually, when you're in classes and things, and... Maybe you're holding, you wouldn't hold a plank because you don't like them, but holding a position for a while. I need to see the clock. I need to see those seconds tick down. You don't like seeing it, do you? Yeah, just, I don't. I'm sure a psychologist could pick that one apart. It's still talking about me. Yeah, I suppose. Um, if somebody beats me, fair and square, because they've outperformed me, brilliant. I know I did my absolute best, and they were better than me on the day, and that's fine. I'm not into 
somebody's done 10, I'm only going to do 11 okay. just to beat them. That's I'm going to go for 15. I don't care because I know that's what I believe in. Um, so on the day, <clears throat> I don't pay attention. They put the scores up on, on the wall. I don't ever know. Do do you? I don't want to know. I'm not interested. Oh. All I want to know is when am I out? They call my name three before. I'm like, okay, cool. So I have a drink. And that's when I start doing my prep. But what would I eat? Not a lot. Because I'm just too in the moment to think outside of the box and think about eating. So that's three quarters of an hour. And you've only just. No, I mean, I think that's that's probably what we wanted to cover, isn't it? There's plenty more, and I'm sure there's plenty more that. We're going to come back and tell people that, that when you ask people what they wanted to talk about, they wanted to know about really you can, because it's the recent stuff. Because it's yeah, it's you, yeah, she just won UK strongest woman, <laughs> so clearly it's hot topic. But um, everybody was very interested in your approach to that, and yeah, amazing. Surely you want everybody to steal your tips? Steal my tips? Who's going to? No, no, is it? No, I like it. It's a different approach, I suppose. Yeah. It works for me. Everybody has their own. I know some girls who will dissect it. They'll look back through the videos yeah. there and then. They just don't do that, know do what they did wrong and, and do those things. Oh, I don't care. You can only have a bit over it. Move on. Because otherwise it eats into your head and then you can't do the mix again. Yeah. 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 I think so. Do you know what the next topic is for next time, or do you want people to ask you? I haven't organised it yet. We'll do a poll probably. Yeah, definitely. So have a think. What do you? What would you like her to answer next? Ask her about food. Just um, say. I just think that would be really interesting. And keep your fingers crossed that the competition actually happens. Yeah. What date is it? Fourth of April. And what's it called? I um, always call this England's strongest. So England's strongest. So keep an eye out with, as to whether that happens or not. All the others are if it happens, it's probably going to be without an audience, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I would think so. In these crazy, crazy times. But the video. Yeah, totally. We'll do what we can. But thank you for all your support and all the love from the win and everything else. Yeah, so thank you for letting me hijack our gaming. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, odds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye. See ya.